When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Not my hearty my time for another caucus meeting, everybody. The fun one, though, you know, not the boring political caucus meetings that actual politicians have. It's just after 11am on Thursday. Um, time to kick off another discussion about the week on the campaign trail. I'm Tim Watkin. I'm Lisa Owen. I'm Guyan Espiner. And kia ora, I'm Scott Campbell. Kia ora. Katapai, let's uh, get into it. I want to start by thanking uh, all of you folk who watched on YouTube last week, the thousands of you. Um, very nice to see you out there, but of course we're on the podcast still. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google, all those usual places, but also find us now on YouTube. You're sounding like a politician. Oh, stop it. OK, I'll stop. Move on. Are you sure about those numbers? Um, <laughs> look, I just want this out by lunchtime. It, it wasn't right? hundreds, was it? <laughs> no, no, it was thousands. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a few thousand. Um... Let's start with a uh, poll this week because we just want to talk about the parties. Um, Colmar Brunton, one news poll. Labour on 48, down five. National on 31. Act on seven, which is looking at nine MPs potentially for um, for David Seymour. The Greens on six. New Zealand First on two. New Conservatives on two as well. Top Māori Party and Advanced New Zealand all on one. About 14% of undecideds. The poll ran from Thursday, last Thursday until Tuesday night. Um... What did you, Guy, and you had some thoughts? Well, obviously, ACT is the bolter in this campaign, and that's shown in that poll, and we can pick over the entrails of that poll because it is interesting. But for me, the really interesting political story right of the moment is that two of the parties who are effectively in the coalition at the moment have targets on their back or crosshairs on their foreheads, and that's the Greens and New Zealand First. You've got Judith Collins saying to ACT, wipe out Winston Peters. Now, that was the unspoken strategy in 2017, cut out the middleman, I think, is a phrase you might remember. That's right. But it was unspoken, because they might have to have gone to the negotiation table with Winston Peters, and so they didn't really want to say, hey, we want to kill no, you first. But they this, had that, and that was the problem, was that they, they wanted to negotiate afterwards. And yeah, Winston, and they didn't realise that he'd filed court papers against them, but that's all history. <laughs> exactly. But, but this time it's explicit. Um, and I heard Judith Collins say it again today, um, oh, I talked to David, and you've got two jobs to win Epsom and to kill off Winston Peters. So it's very explicit and quite a high-risk strategy because you really are poking the bear there. So it's quite interesting that she's saying that she wants to kill off Winston Peters. So any talk about, oh, National might go with Winston Peters, it seems like that door was firmly closed. Yeah. And as for the Greens, you've got Shane Jones saying... I'm going to do everything I can to get rid of the Green Party. So to me, that that's really interesting that those two parties who now enjoy um, appointments in the executive, one out, one inside the cabinet, um, both being targets for a political assassination. Yeah, supposedly um, government friends at the moment, but um, coming for each other. That comment from Shane Jones came on The Nation on the weekend. Let's have a listen to that. 
Are you upset that Labor isn't giving you a hand this time around? Oh, look, I, I thoroughly understand where the Prime Minister is coming from. They want Labor to govern by themselves. The first time ever that a party under MMP will have exclusive power and control over the executive. Uh, they, I think there's a host of people in Labor who find Greens more agreeable uh, than myself, yep. which is why um, I'm going to do everything I can to ensure the Greens don't survive. Yeah, I found it interesting also this week that the Prime Minister, um, or sorry, Jacinda Ardern, on the campaign trail was talking about uh, it's easier to get things across the line when you don't have to work with others. And um, just to see this sort of falling out of those governing parties is amazing. You've got the Greens who are sitting there doing everything they can to show a Greens Labour government that's coming. You've got New Zealand First, like Brian says, trying to get rid of... Um, the Greens and paint the picture that they are really bad. And, um, you know, it, it went even further, I think, Shane Jones, in that interview and, and in others to say, um, expose what James Shaw had done and going back to the table and asking for more money for that Green School uh, in New Plymouth. And, and then you've got the feeling between the Greens. And I'm not sure if, if, if you know, our viewers and, and listeners saw it this week, but that press conference where James Shaw was asked again about uh, the... Um, the Green School, and then Marta Davison came in next and shut down the press conference, and it was just this ugly feeling. The look so on finally... her face, actually, I did. I saw the end of that clip, eh, Lisa? That, yeah. that did not look good. I mean, Shane Jones has been bagging the Greens for years, right? And Molly Hawks and all that stuff. So there's no, nothing that... There's nothing new there. They have been going the Greens for ages. And when Guyons talks about poking the bear, meaning New Zealand first and, well, the, you know, the big the big daddy bear, uh, Winston Peters. Well, is, is he in hibernation right now? I mean, you know, in terms of what we're hearing and seeing Might from the campaign. Might have popped outside the cave for a durry, yeah. actually. To be <laughs> yeah. Those discounted cigarettes he's after. Yeah, from what we're seeing on the campaign trail, they're not getting much oxygen. And even though that was kind of the killer line from Shane Jones, arguably, in that News Hub Nation debate, it was kind of like he was, well, he needed to be poked awake during that. Uh, and Willow Jean Prime owned a yeah. lot of that conversation. In terms of the numbers in this poll, Really interesting around ACT. So um, yesterday on Checkpoint, we kind of introduced ourselves to numbers six through nine. And we were like, you know, who are these people? Because <laughs> that's what a lot of people will be asking on the numbers that David Seymour is getting. There's potentially going to be nine of them in there. So you what do we know about them? Yeah, well, this is interesting. Dr. James McDowell, you know, like National's got Dr. Shane. They've got Dr. James, but he's not actually a medical doctor. He um, works uh, with his wife in an immigration business. He works for an NGO. He's studying law at Waikato University. Karen Chaw, she's number seven. Four kids, uh, self-employed, works in the clothing industry. Mark Cameron, self-described cow cocky from Northland. Yes. Talks about the fact the that... The most rural MP New Zealand would ever have, David Seymour says. Most genuine, most <laughs> authentic, most authentic, and a real critical thinker, right. says um, David Seymour. And Uncritically. Yeah, he... he um, He's an interesting character. He has struggled with mental health earlier in his farming days, so he talks about that. He also talks about how he thinks the rural sector is being dissed and run down and disrespected. And then a woman called Tony Severin, who um, was absolutely joyous about being on the campaign bus with David Seymour at the time I she caught up with the her. Chemist or... She used to be a lab technician. Lab technician yes. um, and she now has her own business. She likes crafting. She makes wreaths. And um, she thinks Jacinda Ardern's done an okay job, but you know, ACT would do better. But these are the people that would come in with David Seymour, and if people need to start sort of, you know, going on yeah, websites and, and, and clicking and seeing what they're getting for their vote.
Yeah, and Judith Collins actually mentioned that this morning, I think, in some of the media, like Guyan was saying. She was talking up this relationship or, or this, this working relationship with David Seymour, but then she also said, oh, but we don't really know who the other people are a little bit further down. So almost like this, vote for, vote for both of us. But be careful on who you get. Well, because think about well, where yeah, that 7% is coming from, from ACT. Part of that's coming from National. She was saying, oh, it's all New Zealand first. You know, it's just New Zealand vote, New Zealand first vote that they're taking. But they're taking some from National well, as well. I think she was trying to say, well, yeah, vote for ACT, but not too much. No, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'd like them to get, you know, four or five MPs, but well, po- possibly not let, eight Let's or nine. just make this point. If you, if you look at that poll and you put National and ACT vote together... It still doesn't start with a four. It does not still start oh, with a four. Oh, there's no credible path to victory on that, that poll for national. That is hugely problematic what, what, for, for national to have a path to victory, you need um, ACT to stay at seven and national to gain ten points. Yeah. So, this, so, so that, that, that's what you need without um, eating into any of that ACT yeah. party vote. So that does show you how far away they are. Look, it could have been a lot worse. Um, national uh, psychologically would have been happy to see a three in front of it, but it was barely that at 31. Yeah. Um, but they still there's no credible path for victory at the moment for a national-led government. The other interesting thing about that poll, I thought, was the, the wasted vote potential. You've got so many parties sitting there on 2 1%. You're talking about uh, you know maybe 7% of the vote wasted in there. And, and, Scott, I know you're still talking about the, the Greens stumbling and not making it. That would go into double figures, potentially, of wasted vote if the Greens don't make it. So you're talking about... Um, the the major party only needing you know mid to late forties to, to to govern alone potentially. And the other interesting figure in all of that, fourteen percent undecided. Yeah, that that's a big wadge of, yeah, of that's voters. That's fairly who standard. Yeah, around when, that, um, ten to fourteen is pretty typical. Pretty isn't it? much. Yeah. 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 Yes, but when you look at how the numbers lie, that's critical. Fourteen percent. It, it is, but but um, I, I did I, I've looked a lot at this in the, in the past, and usually the the academic thinking around that is that that will largely fall into the um, similar makeup that those numbers have already. In other words, I'll explain that terribly. But, no, um, like special which, votes and, and yeah, advanced in votes. In other words, it matches whatever's there. Yeah, in other words, Labour may get 48% of those 14% undecideds um, and, and carry the mass through. But, but, but that's... Yeah. Um... That concern for Labour, though, you're like dropping five. If, if what it's what for me, what it shows is that almost you know that this love for Jacinda Ardern and this love for essentially the job that the government has done of keeping us safe and health perspective is that starting to come off. And they wouldn't want to see it to drop any further. I, I think I'm still in the in the mindset that they'll be hitting around about that 44, 46 percent. Um, I think the Greens are, uh, and maybe I'll be one of the ones to put on the table now. But I think the Greens are gone. Is uh, that right? Are, um, really? Are, are, oh, are, oh are, see, are I don't. I don't agree. So if if they're if they're if they're polling at the moment at five six percent, traditionally they have never done well on election day, and they've always polled higher, getting up to it. Now, I just think that they need their people to get out of bed on election day and go and vote. Now the polls are open in in, in eight days now, um, and they'll need every one of their people out. Wow, that's a yeah. I, I think, yeah, I can see that. I, I, I see what you're saying, and I can see the polls. Obviously, they're close. My, my feeling is that they will get back. I, I think there's enough of the base and the Greens to to get them back, and I, I do think that the confidence that left voters have that Jacinda Ardern's party has enough numbers that they will allow themselves to to, to vote Green, and that would have been. 
tight in a tight race they may have been squeezed out. My own view is that the Greens will get back. Well, I found it really interesting the poll in Auckland Central. Um, over the weekend it was. I'm just mm. trying to think the days all merge into one. <laughs> but it was Auckland Central over the weekend, which is Chloe Swarbrick, right? So the Greens, they either get 5% or they pin their chances to someone winning yep. an electorate. And there's been a big, there's been a lot of big talk about Chloe Swarbrick in Auckland Central. Poll on the weekend? Third place. I know. Yeah. So, I was surprised. Yeah, and, and with the Labour candidate, Helen White, she was what on almost twice as much as, yeah. you know, everybody, everybody else. So that whole idea that um, left voters might throw the Greens a bit of a, a bit of a lifeline, it ain't playing out in Auckland Central I'm, if you believe that poll. True. And, and if you look at the, I mean, you really need to be so explicit about electorates and, and, and seat deals. You can't just assume stuff like that. The the seats, the seats, unless you have your cup of tea and go and, and a leader basically hands over the seat to someone, the seats will usually be within 20, 30% of the general swing. And the swing is towards, you know, the Labour-led government at the moment with, with Jacinda for the past you, couple of terms. Tim, do so. you think Labor, uh, Greens will make it back? No, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with you that... Um, uh, the Greens do really well when Labour is really weak or really strong. And when Labour's looking quite strong at the moment, people will feel free on the left to go, OK, they'll sit... I, I, I'm, I'd rather have Labour at 44 and the Greens at 7 than Labour at 48 and the Greens at 4, kind of it's thing. I, th- make I think that's where that'll... It's going to make it a pretty ugly next couple of weeks, right? When you've got New Zealand First doing all they can to get rid of the Greens, yeah, uh, and, and that's it's going to get messy. And so much for being a kind campaign that we were all talking about potentially at the start of this. Well, because because the the leaders, this is one interesting things about the potential for wasted vote and and the and the, the hit hit jobs on these things is because we've got leaders of all these parties without safe seats. I mean, Seymour's got Epsom, and that's where people are obviously feeling comfortable to vote for him. But New Zealand First does not have a seat. The well, Greens do not have a seat. And so unlike, say, you know, back when you had United Future and Peter Dunn and you had Winston Peters and Tauranga and you had... And the Māori Party The Māori well. Party with a safe and seat. Tr- you seats. could vote for those minor parties and not feel your vote was going to get wasted. But there's a different calculation this time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, also in the polling vacuum that we've been running on. We haven't had the regular polling, so people have been flying blind in terms of where the parties actually are. Yeah. Uh, I presume we're going to get more in, in, the, um, in the last couple of weeks. But. So, Ed, you know what? I mean, I just... Yeah, I, was I, wanna... say, I, yeah, I found, I found one of the things I found really um, uh, interesting about this week, and I think, you know, the polls show it with, with um, Acton David Seymour, and, you know, depending on who you're talking to, where does that vote come from? And people have been talking about, oh, it's the gun community and and, and, um, and the likes. But I actually think he's starting, and I, I may have touched on this last week, he's starting to sound somewhat sensible. Uh, and I, I think even in a debate this week, he came across as actually being fairly... Um, well, clear in his messaging. He's a long way from what he was a few years back when he first came into parliament. And he's got a sense of humour, right? Well, let's hear exactly. You guys are making good points. We've got a grab to uh, to make that exact point of David Seymour at the Queenstown debate for the Chamber of Commerce down there this week. And stop comparing ourselves with the worst. He just said, if you've been to Melbourne, let's start comparing ourselves with the other five or six states that are doing really well, Grant, and aspire to be be better rather than comparing ourselves with the worst and using... Fear from the podiumocracy, Grant. We actually, we actually, we actually need to ask how we Rather can be alive, deal David. with the debt. You know, I've got more young people coming to my meeting. Some of them toddlers, and I think they're worried about the debt. I think that. I think. 
I think they've read the prefu and they know that they're going to get a driver's license and maybe go to university before this guy sees the New Zealand government balance a budget because they've got 15 years of deficits coming down the track. That's a pretty good message. Yeah, maybe some of those toddlers um, did the numbers for um, Paul Goldsmith. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we don't see a lot of um, character in New Zealand politics. And who's the guy we always see that sort of stuff from is Winston Peters. Peters. And, and it feels um, that people have seen a lot of that and aren't as interested that time, this time, if I could put it um, charitably. Um, and so they're looking at Seymour and seeing um, here's this guy who's you know relatively young and, and to them probably newish, and um, it speaks with some some passion and some charisma and, and some fun, yeah. and he's witty and sharp. Um, so he's really is capturing uh, more imagination this time, isn't he? That's a real. I mean, because that's a that's a bottom line point he's trying to point on push on debt. It's, you know, the fiscal responsibility line that any kind of, you know, uh, right-wing party wants to push on. But he did it with this great, you know, a great humour about about toddlers, and you could hear the audience just coming alive to it. Um, I, he's he's cutting through in a way that Winston used to, and he's he's the clown prince in that but, regard, yeah. and the pretender, isn't of it? Of course, they're really going to run into problem when they get into Parliament, because they've grafted on the gun lobby, and you can see um, neoliberalism and, and, and hunting, shooting, fishing don't always uh, coalesce, and so they'll run into problems, and who knows, um, Lisa's had a closer look than I yeah. at, their, at, at who's, who's on that list, but you do wonder um, if there's a, another... Um, David Garrett in the office up there. <laughs> That's right. he, he'll message someone on Twitter. Um, that United Fu- that. You know, the United Future lot that came in in 93 with all the... Um, well, one of them... Well, yeah, or even... I'm um, sure these ones are probably a bit better than that. Yeah, well, one of them came in, coming in in 2002 for United Future hadn't got her citizenship um, sorted because they were so surprised they got so many MPs. That's right. Kelly Chow, I well, think, was yeah. her name. I mean, a bunch of these guys just almost fell off their chairs when they saw the polls <laughs> on the night thinking, actually, actually, I could be there, which was interesting. And I know the number don't add up, but in respect of um, David Seymour, it was interesting to hear Judith Collins speaking today about what his role would be. You know, if he brings yes, in, in nine, ca- he would be in he, cabinet. He would be in cabinet, and she was asked whether he that earns him the right to be the deputy prime minister, and and she was sort of saying, well, you know, David's not unreasonable. We've had a ch- would have a chat about things, but he'd play a different role. He would be in cabinet, whereas previously he didn't want to do that because he was pushing his. But it just ain't going to happen, is it? Well, you know, you can't say it's never going to happen, but they don't really have a credible path to victory. And I can't see ACT um, going up any further without eroding Nationals' vote further, right? No. It's a big bucket on the centre-right. And this... if you pour a bit more into into the ACT bucket, it's at this point going to come from National. We've talked about how they've probably pulled some vote from New Zealand first. Yep. They've probably um, pulled some vote um, from elsewhere. But I would have thought north of seven, they're going to start be pulling votes from National. And that doesn't help. Well, the, the reason why ACT is doing so well, presumably, is, yeah. that, is that people on the right are saying National's not going to win, it's not actually that close, so I'm going to vote with my heart rather than my strategy head. You know, I can actually vote for people. If, if it was really that close yeah. and you're on the centre-right, you'll... you'll Try to get your lot into power, but yeah. Well, these are the votes that New Zealand First is trying to get, trying to get, saying, "Hey, National can't win." Yeah, um, but they aren't yeah. going to New Zealand First. They're going to um. To but win. he's doing it a di- but he's doing it a different way, right? So, and and I guess this is where it's you, you see the differences between New Zealand First and Act. New Zealand First is essentially saying we will put the handbrake on 
Uh, we will be the ones who are the insurance policy if there's a Labour government. And we've done that for the last three years. Whereas what um, Seymour is talking about, and I quite like it how he did this, he said, let's compare ourselves to the best, not to the worst. Um, let's try and be positive about it. And I actually think that he's got, that's a good message for him to take. If we're there, we'll be progressive. It's really interesting how the parties are managing um, MMP and potential coalition discussions. Also interested this week to hear the Greens and their negotiating strategy. You know, would the wealth tax be a bottom line or not? Mm. Well, according to Julianne Ginger, it would be. <laughs> no, and well, then according to James Shaw the next day, oh, on. we don't do bottom lines. No, I want to pull the handbrake on that one because to use a <laughs> phrase... Go be the handbrake. <laughs> no, to use a phrase that you would have used and someone you've interviewed many times has used... Words matter, right? So, so, no, no, so words matter because I went back and listened to Julianne Genter and she used the words, she used the words, hang on, she used the words, she didn't talk about wealth tax, she said tax reform has to be a bottom line, she didn't specify that that would be specifically the wealth tax or a higher personal tax um, bracket. So it was more generalised than that. I believe it was, you know, a misspeak on her part, given given the Greens' position. But also it is correct to say that the Greens do not have bottom lines because every policy is consensus decision. So you've got to get on the Zoom and get everyone to agree yep. to it. So you Convey can't actually people. say that this is my bottom line, no. even as leader of the party or an MP in that party, because you require consensus to get it over the line. But just to repeat what I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, when Robertson announced Labor's tax policy and said we're not going to go negotiate on that with the Greens, we're not going to get you know, to try yeah. and see off that. The Greens, look, people within the Greens are very clear that's one of the first things they are going to talk to Labor about if they do get if they Absolutely. do make it over five. You get in there and scrap for, yeah. for your policies, otherwise tax why does are you matter there? To them. Yeah. And tax so whatever Robertson says, yeah, but, he, he's going to have to negotiate on tax if the Greens are but, there. But it's interesting listening to James Shaw, and, and you, you put up a better argument that, um, than James Shaw because I just listened to him talk to Susie Ferguson for 10 minutes yeah. today and he didn't defend her in that way. He, he had a whole interview based on the fact that... He um, said she'd miss... She, it was a yeah, that, and she was very, very passionate, and that, that's she was fine. Tired. That's fine. But my my point was going to be, it does matter if you're saying this before the election rather in the negotiating room. Because if I was hovering around the left, going, why would I vote for the Greens? Let's say I, I my top priorities as a voter was the wealth tax and reducing inequality and stuff. That may lead me to vote for the Greens instead of Labour if I thought these guys are seriously going to look at a wealth tax. Um, and they're going to push for that and saying they're not going to be part of the government if they if that doesn't happen. Otherwise, I might as well just vote for Labour. Exactly. Well, so I don't think not, the Greens so are concerned that Gent is saying this stuff at all, right? I don't think that's a real problem. They, they, I don't know this, why they didn't pull it back. But well, uh, they, they'll they'll say no, no, Julian, well, you shouldn't have said that. But but it's 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 a it's a pro forma thing. They they want people to know that they're going to push hard in this area. Arguably, it creates a bigger problem for Labour because they've already said that we are not going to change. Um, any other seven times in tax response rate. to your questions? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to we're not going to change our position on tax. This is it. We're promising you one income um, tax shift, and we're not going to introduce any other new taxes. Now, there's always that strategy after the fact where you say we work with what the New Zealand um, voting public has delivered to us. But can you imagine the cannon oh, fodder that I that would provide? They, they, they can't move. Scott, on can that you position. see that happening? Oh. No, but and, and do you know what? 
thankfully and finally we are starting to talk about something that is different between all of these parties because you know for the last what six weeks or so that we've been in, in, in caucus we've been talking about COVID and the response to COVID and nothing really different and I think you know at, at least these parties are trying to come up with something different. We're got, we're eight days, 19 hours, 26 minutes, and 34 seconds away from the polls opening, and finally we've got it. some discussion. Have you got a clock there? Have you got, got a clock? You got like yeah. a CNN countdown. <laughs> I love it. CNN countdown thing. But, <laughs> I've got the real numbers. <laughs> so Scotty, last I go to Goldsmith for my yeah. Sorry, Paul. I just you know. We'll get to that. I just want to ask Scotty because of what he said. So Friday, last Friday, when National unveiled, and it seems like a million days ago, unveiled mm-hmm. its tax policy, but it's less than a week ago. Were you, were you surprised? Uh, I actually think it was good that they went and had a go at something. They needed to throw um, some numbers out there, right? Tax cuts is going to be the only thing that will give them an opportunity. But they sure. said no tax cuts. Yeah, they, they, they said no tax cuts. They and they said, well, sorry, it's we're going to be responsible, no tax cuts. Yeah, oh, here are some yeah, tax cuts. But then they also had the ability to say we need to stimulate the economy, right? And we're in a really bad place and the numbers show how bad it's going to get over the next little while. And 100,000 people who are estimated to be going on the dole queue or on the unemployment benefits, um, the longer this tax discussion goes on for, the better it is for National because people will start to think, oh, what does that $50 look like in my back pocket? I think they had to they had to have a Hail Mary, right? And it was always going to be tax cuts. But yeah. for me, for me, that was the first surprise of the campaign. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. I agree with Scott that it's, look, it's a legitimate argument we, to, to, to introduce tax cuts as an economic stimulus. And that's what you'd expect from a national government, yeah. right? And, and, and Labor's um, raising taxes a, a little bit. And again, you'd, you'd expect the redistributive um, approach from Labor. To me, the unforgivable thing was getting the, getting the numbers wrong. Well, Just that, an egregious and dreadful error. So, so this, is the, this is, this is so the, irritating. irritating. This is the Hail Mary, right? As you say, they had, they had one play. You know, the clock's running down. The quarterback, Judith Collins, gets the ball, snap, goes to the wide receiver, Paul Goldsmith, and this happens. Well, thanks for coming along uh, this afternoon. As, as Grant Robertson helpfully pointed out, uh, we based our uh, fiscal plan on uh, contributions uh, to the super fund uh, based on the budget figures. Uh, it turned out there was a slight change uh, with the pre-FU figures, the pre-election uh, fiscal update figures, the result of which is that instead of uh, the Nationals' plan getting our net debt as a country back to uh, 35% of GDP in 2034, uh, we go to 36% of GDP. This is in marked contrast, of course, with the government's plan, which uh, means that we're still at 48% of GDP at that time swing. Have you gone back and checked all of your other figures? Uh, yep, look, this is an irritating mistake. Uh, we missed it, uh, and our uh, external checker missed it as well, and uh, uh, that's a mistake that we made. That was a cluster of a different kind, you know. <laughs> so I just think the thing was it was a $4 billion era and um, Judith Collins, the day after that, she really tried to throw shade on everything else, talking about Treasury having made mistakes in its printed copy, yippity yappity. Immaterial. They made a mistake and it was mm. a $4 billion one. Mm-hmm. They used an old figure, as they stated. But they really tried to play it down by saying it only makes a 1% difference to the debt track, right? And that does look true for the numbers. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But here's the comparison I would use if I was asking him about it. 
You unveiled $4.6 billion worth of tax cuts last week, and you told us they were massive. That was massive. Right? Yep. Massive. A massive number and a massive stimulus Ignite package. Ignite the economy, Lisa. Ignite the economy, Tim Watkin. And guess <laughs> what? Those two figures aren't that far apart. So no. they're either both massive yeah, but to, or they're both immaterial. To be fair, one's over 18 months and one's over 15 years. Yes. Yeah, and, that and is the, true. And the, tra- and the track is, I mean, you know, the, the, the track is that they're still going to pay back the debt a hell of a lot quicker than, than Labour's planning yeah, to, which I mean, is their key message. But you don't turn up and say, you are the economic managers, you cannot trust yeah. these people, they don't get their figures right. You you know, they yeah. they are not the stewards for the economy. We are, whoops, basic calculating area. Sorry about that, irritating. Yeah, and, that, and that's the problem, right? When, you, when you're out there and your billboards say, you know, stronger team, strong economy, trust us, we're the people who know to get us out of the financial issue. Bit of a problem there. You also know, and, and all of you sitting around that table, when a journalist asks you, have you gone and checked the rest of your numbers? <laughs> you might want a quick smart get outside not, and go and check them, right? It's not yeah, a good thing. It's not a good... Yeah. No, that's the one that you use so that when you come back, you've got a benchmark. Like when you say, do you stand by all your earlier statements that's on right, XYZ? Right. I mean, I think in the final wash-up, Okay, you can you can argue thirty six, thirty five percent of GDP, and and you can you can forgive that to to some degree, but I think it's reflective, isn't it, of nationals done a lot to show us that they're not ready. Yeah, in in my view, because they've had three change three leadership changes. You think of the staff that have come and gone. I've heard stories about you know people hitting delete on basic templates before they've gone. You know the campaign managers changed from Paula Bennett to Jerry Brownlee. Key staff have gone and Matthew Hooten and God knows what he's up to at the moment but and, and God knows what he was was doing. But you've got um, a whole bunch of expertise and knowledge walking out the door and they they rushed that out. Okay you had the and then on the Friday, they rushed the numbers out. They could have spent another few days going through this. I, I think, mm. w- w- would have Stephen Joyce, who's finally found his fiscal hole, by the way, <laughs> would, 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 that, would that party have done it? It, doesn't, it wouldn't have probably happened in government, so I don't think people need to freak out and go, oh, my God, these guys are going to crash the plane. No. But, but it's reflective to me of, um, and someone made the comment, Lisa, that, that, that they weren't going to cut taxes. So the leader changed, that Judith Collins said no tax cuts, then suddenly they had to cut taxes. You know, and so what I get is, a, is a, um, and I have been following the campaign day, 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 um, like, like, say, Lisa has, because I haven't been, as in, so I'm, I'm looking at it more, more from above this yep. time, and I'm seeing the, the perception that must be given is, gee, these guys are a little bit all over the place. They're throwing the ball around, and they're dropping it. Well, I think they, they score... And then there's an own goal the next day. Score, own goal. And because so much has happened, we forget Michael Woodhouse, right? He brings to our attention that there's a problem with managed isolation. And then he starts talking about a homeless guy who slipped into a hotel, right? So goal, own goal. You know, and then we have this situation where the leaked information comes out, Michelle Bogue, and then they lose Nikki Kay and Amy Adams. We forget that. All of that has happened over such a short, um, compact time. Todd Muller goes, you know... Um, out of the blue, and then you have another leadership wrangle. So every time they seem to be, 
getting on top of things, then the next day there's a there's a blunder. So yep. the big hurrah over the tax cuts yeah. Yeah. few days later. Well, classic weird momentum thing, isn't it? Where it sometimes, is. and luck, you know, fortune favours the bold and all that. I, it, it it just seems to be they can't really catch a break. It, it, it isn't, doesn't seem to but be. But it's one of those things where you make your own luck, right? It is the preparation and the and the organisation yeah. around it, you know? And, and you want people to, the one thing you want people to remember is 50 bucks a week more in your pocket, right? That's the thing. All people remember after the past weekend is they got their numbers wrong. Yeah, and people don't one. remember fifty bucks. They remember he c- Goldsmith can't count, well, and he's and not from said- Nati Paro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's details, and details matter, right? Just like words matter. And, and I think, and, what, and they've set themselves up as is trying to be the party who will get the details right. And you're never, never going to get everything right. And, and Guyan um, pointed out before, Prefu came out the day before, uh, and that's a huge document for for people to be going through. And, and, and people are going to miss numbers, but but when you're putting yourself forward as that party. It doesn't look full well, right. Let's just Scott, 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 play Scott. a game. Why, why, did yeah. they, why, did they, why did they rush it out on the Friday? Could, they could have checked it over on the weekend. I mean, they didn't have to. Like, like they we've been, been quite they fair to them. Right, to, yeah, but they, you know, so I think the only time pressure Sunday. there, Scott, uh, Scott's right, like, so the preview comes out and they only had a day. And, and they've been saying, oh, well, we only had a day. Well, no, you, you created the timeline. Yeah. yeah. And as former political um, journalists, you two, Guyon and Scotty, Friday, dead zone, wouldn't you not have taken it to the Sunday, dropped it in the afternoon, led all the bulletins and been the talking point Especially on the Monday news your shows? Campaign your campaign launch, yeah. Which was a disaster because of that very reason. Yeah, so I guess, I guess what they... Again, you, and, and it comes back to the, the staffing stuff, strategically I just... woeful. Yeah, I guess what they were trying to probably um, leverage off was the momentum of the prefu books being so bad, right? And they would have known that uh, all of the all of the commentary and all of the media coverage would have been about the um, how bad we were. And you've got Grant Robertson on one hand saying, "Well, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be," uh, and, and all of the commentators saying, mm, "It's pretty bad." Uh, and then you've got National trying to leverage off that. And I, I think they should have taken their time. Um, mm. They had the opportunity. I, I, for to me, it feels a little bit like they don't quite know who they. Are um, mm. at the well, moment, and- Scott. I mean, just talk about who they are because you talked about the team and exactly national is the way it positions the party. But but play guess who with me on this one: a lawyer, a historian, and a political studies graduate who was um, the Cook Islands' first head of mission to the EU. Who are those three people? That's um, the <laughs> that's the national party's that's the national party's economic brains trust. You've got Judith Collins, who is a lawyer. To be yes. fair, with a master's in tax, but a lawyer. You've got Paul Goldsmith, who's a historian, who, to be fair, wrote a book about tax, but is an author. And, and then you've got Todd McClay, who um, was, a, was a commission head for the Cook Islands. But, you know, this is not, this is the problem for them, I think. Now, this is not the party of John Key, Bill English, Stephen Joyce, right? You look at those three, the, the leader, the finance mm. spokesperson, the economic development spokesperson. You knew, I mean, Stephen Joyce famous failed all his, you know, out of his 10 yeah, but also, papers at university. Also, but also built an incredible business. But built, and, you know, was, and, and, and gee, you was know, an entre- he, genuine he, entrepreneur. He was. But to be fair on all that, and you could go through them all, but um, Michael Cullen was a really an historian and an academic yep. and was largely um, seen as, as running pretty good uh, books over his time and, and is certainly a very, very smart man. And Grant Robertson yeah. as well yep. is, 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 is did, 
did not have an economics background. No. But look, that's the job of a, a politician, a bit like a lawyer. A lawyer will say, oh, I can take a good brief. Yeah. And, and that's what Robertson's done. And he, he started with not a lot of knowledge, but but has schooled himself up. So I, I take your, I take your it's point. It's just different from the National um, Party. You, you know, when people look at the National Party, they're looking at a different National Party, right? And it doesn't we, quite we give them the edge they had. We found out a little bit more, though, about um, Judith Collins this week. I didn't realise that she had links to Matamata and, a few, and, and farming well, and a few other bits let's, and pieces. Let's talk about the debate because, you know, that's the other big event this week, right? right the uh, the One News uh, debate um, on Wednesday, on Tuesday night. Um, and look, let's. you mentioned Judith Collins there. She did first for the challenger. The first debate's always key. You, you have... Um, lower expectations from the person who's the incumbent. You get to stand alongside the incumbent for the first time and look relatively equal. So always the big opportunity. And you get the chance to introduce yourself. So here's what Judith Collins said in terms of some of the bits she talked about, her personal story and, and bits about herself coming out. Well, Feely, I understand, actually. My husband is Samoan, uh, so Talofa. And he was actually taken out of school when he was 15, ran away to his auntie, um, who took him back so he could go to school. And that's what happens um, for many kids who have got a lot of pressure on them because their parents don't have enough money for them. And of course, and no, what we're no hearing one's from small business that. owners, and I was one, is that they can't afford constant increases in the minimum wage. A lot of these state houses have been around since the 1950s and 60s. And they were actually, good actually, no, they were not. They, they were. were not. Actually, what I grew up in was a, you know, it was basically a state house. One. I tell it you what, no, well, I, no, they didn't have insulation right. and the windows didn't shut. Tracy, thank you for that question. I'm a daughter of Matamata uh, dairy farmers as well. Yeah, I think that was interesting. If you didn't know those things about Judith Collins, I was aware of the fact that she came from a farming background. I thought it was interesting that she pulled herself up when she was about to say matter, matter yes. and said matter, matter. Um, and she's from a farming family. She has owned small businesses. And if anyone's interested, one of them was a restaurant and the other one is her own personal um, lawyering business. Uh, and when she talked about uh, living in what was you know, pretty much a state house, I think she's referencing the farmhouse that she grew up on. So she so was it an estate or was it an estate? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did put a call into to the National Party to clarify how she both grew up in a in a basically a state house and on a fat dairy farm, and they haven't got back to me yet. But um, yeah, so it was it in trust that the house was that's the second house is in a trust. <laughs> yeah. Look, good, good, good on anybody who actually got through the debate um, because uh, you know you would have needed a lot of coffee and whatnot to actually get through it. It was. Uh, I found. I was on to my I, third Red Bull, actually, mate. Uh, <laughs> I found Jacinda Ardern. I, I actually did think she was lacking in energy. Um, I think she was, um, you know, giving Judith Collins a lot of leeway. Um, I think Collins came out in the second half of that debate, and something had changed. I think she just the gloves had come off, and she was giving a, a, a good crack. Uh, from a, from a, um, if you're trying to learn anything about um, the election, I don't think that debate did a hell of a lot for you. Um, and I hope that the rest of them get better. So do you think, we've discussed this partly before, do you think that Jacinda Ardern's strategy and the strategy of the Labour team was the don't stuff it up strategy? Yeah, must have been. Run down the clock. You're, you're well ahead. I mean, sporting analogies every time, but you are massively ahead, aren't you? It's, yep. If it's 48-31, you're massively ahead. You want to run down the clock. You want to suck the energy out of it, basically. It was similar when, when it was care against golf in a similar sort of situation. Um, you know, and, and people can run around saying Judith Collins won the debate. That seemed to be the narrative that took hold. Yeah, maybe, but won what in the end? Did you, do you think that that really 
would have transferred any votes to, no, to National. In my view, no. Thing. It may have stopped the rot and the narrative and momentum that you get from Judith Collins won the debate, maybe it's not all over. The media wants that to a degree because no one wants to say it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of that coming in and she will have had some confidence from that. But I, I, I would doubt that that many, if any, votes at all no. went transferred my, to National. My, my, my first reaction after the debate and the first stuff I wrote afterwards was was exactly that, that Collins won and had got that, a bit of momentum because I, I think everybody was just so surprised how poor Ardern was. I mean, this is a person who has um, supposedly been this inspirational leader for the past few years. I just suddenly saw that that opposition MP we saw before she became Prime Minister well, again, who the know, policy wonkish, bureaucratish, yeah. never quite living up to her, her um, expectations kind of MP who just was flat and she was so poor. Well, you, they get, they get, so and poor. which is, you've, you've complained about this in the past as, as a journalist that they don't want to debate each other, no. um, either politicians or spokespeople. And that's why, because they get, they get um, reduced to the, the same level. You've been used to, even in Parliament, it's different. You, you, you don't actually have to debate them in Parliament. They ask you a question, then you stand from the platform. She's used to standing on the podium right throughout COVID and having it, you know, her, her own way. And it's different when you're actually, um, you know, but you side look by at the, side. You look at those two women that night and we'll say one of them's on 54 preferred Prime Minister rating and it didn't look like Ardern. <laughs> no. No, and, and, that's, and, that's, I, I, and that was what probably surprised me a little bit. But then I guess she doesn't have to, right? She's sitting on 50. She's, she's sitting on big numbers. So maybe then don't, um, don't push it and don't stuff it up. Whereas the difference, I guess, up until now, Judith Collins has taken almost an approach of let's not criticise the Prime Minister because everyone loves her. And so... Um, I think what, for me, what came through on that debate the other night was actually, well, now she's taken the gloves off. Uh, and there was a little bit of needling towards um, Jacinda Ardern. Uh, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next one. Yeah, I think there was a fair bit of needling and I think the don't stuff it up approach would have actually taken a great deal of restraint when you're getting poke, 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 poke all for 90 minutes. And I think the only little glimmer of I'm not taking this was when child poverty was raised and that's when Jacinda Ardern, to a degree, bit back. Let's have a listen to that bit. Yeah, okay. John, I am not done on child poverty. And you have a very stark difference between us as leaders over our plans in that area. Right, stop, no, stop. That was really interesting because obviously this was her big platform in 2017. And in full nerd, you know, moment, I went back and watched some of her debates from 2017. And in the the News Hub one, she said, and I'm quoting her here. Sorry, is this 2017 or 2018? This is... From the last election. From the last election, yeah, yeah, sorry. So my entire reason for being in politics is to rid this country of child poverty. Mm. That's a direct quote from her. So then to be having Judith Collins needling her on material hardship. So that's how many hot meals you get a week, how much protein is there, do you have two pairs of shoes, is there a place to do your homework, Mm -hmm. is there an internet connection in your house? To have Judith Collins point out that the numbers are not looking good there was a sore spot for her. But also in looking back at those debates, I saw a politician that had nothing to lose and was putting it all out there and going for it. And she was the one jumping in on Bill, as she called him. Bill. No, Bill. I'm going to Yep. I'm going to have to pull you up on that, Bill. Bill, that's simply not true, Bill. Bill, why are you doing that now when I've been, we've been asking you to do that for nine years, Bill? So she was playing a similar role to what Judith was, was playing but this, this but, week. And that was, and that was where I, I, my initial reaction was, was kind of good on Collins for, for doing better. But I've, I've settled, I think, more where Guyan is now, that, that 
Collins needed a break moment. And the National had the two chances this week with the tax cuts, which Goldsmith blew, and then with the first debate, which in the end, Collins, she was better than Ardern, but she didn't actually get what she needed out of it. There was no show-me-the-money moment. There was nothing that the media is going to repeat for the next four news cycles every night. There was no... She didn't... And, I, and she had... I mean... Like, why wasn't she banging on about 50 bucks extra in a pocket, money in the she pocket? She didn't go Why into her policies. Going, no. Electricity, and, I mean, the... I heard the, more the about the RMA. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you're going to be paying more in that for electricity under un, under Labour. I thought that the electricity prices is a big one she could have gone to, mm-hmm. and she went there once briefly. I, I would have thought she would hammer the failure to deliver. Yeah. Kiwi build, absolute failure. The child poverty progress failed to deliver. The housing waiting list has quadrupled. She did get to that. I think she had lots of gaps in um, in delivery. But that she, she let, didn't and infrastructure to. is a big point, and she let she let uh, Dern spend a couple of minutes talking about pumped blim and hydro, which no one at home would have known what she was talking about. And then she she kept going on about um, wanting more water for avocado orchards. And John, I, I do you want more avocado orchards? I do. And I'm like at that point, I just thought we've lost. <laughs> Everyone's just <laughs> gone down a rabbit hole here. Yeah. There there is a balance between bagging the other side and pointing out their failures and taking the opportunity to use the platform to promote what you would do and what your policies are. So there was obviously discussion about unemployment. Not once, unless I dropped into a snoozing situation, (laughs) was there a mention of their policy to create jobs where if you're a business you can get $10,000 for creating a new job. There was no... got a bit of a look in. But then she started to say the jobs were there already. But not the numbers. You know, in 10 years they are promising to double the size of the tech sector Mm. from an $8 billion sector to a $16 billion sector. 100,000 jobs. High end jobs, yeah. so they're yeah. saying Which is 100,000. Doubling, doubling the employment well, workforce again. But she didn't float those. She didn't bring the numbers, she didn't hit the points on her policies. Yeah, but but in, so, in some ways, they all, all she really had to do was stand at the podium and, and, and hold hold her own uh, and, and almost look as if she um, could be there because we've had. You know, yeah, six she months. doesn't have the time, Scott. She's only got well, a couple of weeks, and she's yeah, but, but you then, know, but then twenty the points Prime behind. Minister, but then Jacinda Ardern did go into farming, right? And 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 people picked up on this comment about, oh, well, that was the old, that was the way of the past, uh, and that's Nationals' base, right? And and a lot of those people who are probably National voters who have been sitting there going, oh, who's the leader this week, um, might be actually <laughs> sitting there going, oh, well, she actually makes sense. Maybe we can, maybe we can vote for her. Yeah, there's something. Yeah. Look, look, it, it it got the base. I think the yeah. National Party base would have been reassured that if the sense that maybe Collins was going a bit soft, that maybe National um, was being that too centrist, not actually fighting for their corner. That yeah, she got a little bit of fight out there. I hate to bring Uber driver wisdom into this, but I jumped into Uber the <laughs> next going morning, to anyway. and the guy said, um, "Look, I've been a National voter, loved John Key, thought he was a guy who could turn $1 into two, didn't really like Labour or trust in the, on the economy. Who was he going to vote for? Labour. Why? He said the mosque attack response and the COVID response. Mm. They deserve another turn. And, you know, I've come back to this in our caucus sessions quite a bit. I, to me, it's not a lot more complicated than that. I, I think it's hard to get past those two. The, the crisis response of the government in times where people felt very vulnerable and lives were at stake, big time stuff, not, you know, 35 versus 36% of GDP, but my God, am I going to be alive? Am I going to have a job? I feel vulnerable. That's where Labour has given them comfort mm. and 
it says two things to me. They could and may well, in the next term, lose those votes. You know, that, that 10 or 15% they've clawed they across. They are circumstantial. Um, uh, under a stronger national leader and a party that's got their act together in a better way, they could lose those votes just as easily as, as they've picked them up. But from what I can see, it ain't going to be this time. It's funny you raise that because that is the place that Jacinda Ardern went right at the end of the yes, debate she when she had the final opportunity to say something. We saw the communicator and orator yes. that we perhaps have seen earlier in her term. And she said that, you know, there's been tough times for New Zealand. We have seen the best of us. And she referenced those disasters that you've just talked about and said, you know, um, we're stronger and better for, you know, better for where we've been. Mm. And she went to her campaign slogan there and finished on that. But she drew on that emotion and yeah. that kind of personal empathy and sympathy that you're kind of talking about. That's yeah. where she she put a full stop right there, right at the end. And that's the one time where I thought she had the upper hand I on, on Judy. And we might sort of mull over all of the numbers and all of the policies and all of those bits and pieces. But the reality is in eight days, 19 hours, two minutes and 10 seconds, <laughs> are people who took that early box actually going to worry about it? <laughs> hey, before you go, what are you betting us? You know, you reckon the Greens are out, so what's on what's on the table here? What, a block of chocolate, I, 10 I, bucks? Jimmy, what do we reckon? A bottle of conviction. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy <laughs> okay. Jimmy the plant. So we if people watching on YouTube, there is, a, there is a plant behind Scott's left shoulder, which we have nicknamed Jimmy. Uh, and it's a peace lily, I think. Yes. And, and it's and it's looking healthier than it was he got it six the, or eight weeks he ago got it from when we the started. green school, though. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those crystal planting things. Okay. I believe I had to... I bet my mortgage to that the Greens would, would double down on tax before the election, so do I still get to keep that after Julian no, Jinter this week? No, you're mortgage-free, mate, so you didn't cost <laughs> not you yet, Not yet. I'm looking for... OK, so the plant. The plant's on the line. Right, looking for the plant. Next week, everybody, we have more debates. Māori TV has its Te Tai Hauru debate on Tuesday night. Um, the News Hub Leaders debate with Paddy Gower is on Wednesday night. Um, if you're in Auckland, um, the preeminent community debate in Epsom is on Tuesday night, hosted by me. This is my plug. Um, at uh, Summerville Shameless. Presbyterian Church on Tuesday night, 7.30, corner of Remuria Road and Greenland East. David Seymour, Paul Goldsmith, will all be there. Um, I'm hosting that. Come and see me. Um, you can watch this on YouTube. As I say, you can get the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google. We'll be back next Thursday morning straight after the News Hub Leaders debate and see whether they do any better next time. Thanks, guys. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.